Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today, myself, Ashley Coffin, and Paul Hoppy will be diving into the new MCU movie, Black Widow. All that after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host, and I'm joined by what's becoming kind of a pretty regular pair of guests because I just love the way the three of us interact. You know, we're all East Coasters, so I don't have to delete <laughs> long pauses as we all politely wait for someone else to speak. Uh, <laughs> Paul and Ashley, uh, I'll just throw it to both of you. How y'all doing? You fight. Who's, who says first? I'm good. I'm really good. <laughs> I'm so happy. New content, things to talk about. And what better movie to talk about ethics than this one because it was pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, happy to be here. I've got a lot to say. I'll probably try not to say all of it. Very <laughs> legit, very legit. Yeah, and I know, Ashley, you were just talking to us about how you'd seen it a second time. I think I'm curious to see it a second time. I There's a lot of ethical stuff in it that I raised some eyebrows for me and, and I want to kind of think more about. But I think in some ways it just felt so good to get to see this movie after so much waiting. Mm-hmm. And in terms... It's kind of funny because I sometimes think that like the MCU and Disney Plus have kind of raised my bars so high that I forget that sometimes it is just fun to like sit in a theater and eat popcorn and watch a movie for a couple of hours. And this movie does because I want to like start with your kind of general thoughts on the movie. And I'll, I'll just start by saying like I think the movie did that perfectly. You know, it was mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of moments where I was like, yeah, okay, I don't get that, but sure, the explosions are looking pretty and the character development is fun, so cool, let's go with it. What do <laughs> you all think of the movie? I mean, I really liked it. Um... I love her so much, uh, Nat, as a character, and finally getting to see her get her own movie was really important. And mm-hmm. uh, like I said in the MCU cast, like they didn't pull their punches with her backstory, which I could imagine would be really hard to figure out how to make into a PG-13 movie. Right. Paul, what about yourself? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Black Widow as a character. Um, I did not love the movie. Um, I didn't go to a theater to see the movie. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to go see a movie in the theater again. Like, I hated it. The, I hated it. What? Oh, going to a theater? <laughs> yeah. when it, I really did not have a, an enjoyable experience. Yeah. At the, like, it was just, I was trying to watch everything. I we feel like we were a little too close mm, in an IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. And so watching it at home on Disney Plus literally the next day, yeah. it, it was almost like watching a completely different movie. <laughs> that Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I, we were halfway through the movie and... You know that, like, I've drank a lot of water. I'm like, wait, wait, we can pause the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not yeah. try and figure out which scene is not going to be important, you know? <laughs> like, the run to the bathroom. <laughs> so, like, I really appreciated that. Also, like, as this is an ethics podcast, I will mention that I think, um, I don't I don't think it's great to have movies in theaters with people not wearing masks right now. I just don't think it's great. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. harp on that, but I just need to, like, at least say it and... Being able, having the opportunity to watch this at home, I really appreciated. Um, as I didn't mention yesterday, but like having watched Ryan, The Last Dragon, and Luca, um, which maybe that podcast will come out after this one, I'm not sure. But being able to watch them at home just feels like, yeah, this is my preferred experience, you know? Mm-hmm, and yeah. I did used to love going to movies. There was a theater that I would go to every single movie that they had. And um, I just don't anymore. And so I think having both options available people uh, available to people in general i think is a good thing so i really do yeah, appreciate really. that they did release it simultaneously um and that i didn't have to like dodge spoilers for 90 days or whatever mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it's too bad that you have to pay for it, or at least in, sure. in the cases of some of us pay on this call, one of us had to pay for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, and like, in fairness, when I talk about it being like a theater movie, I didn't get to see it in the theater. Um, my partner was not feeling well, so we decided home, stayed home, watched it online. I, and I'm kind of mixed on that. I think there's obviously so much to get into with like the pandemic and stuff like that, that was kind of out of our purview for this. I think, I do think that there's a fun movie going experience of watching movies that I'm not going to take very seriously in the theater. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I mean with this one. Like, I feel like if I want to just be entertained for two hours and eat popcorn, this is a perfectly good movie. It's, in some ways, I feel like because, especially I watched it at home and I wasn't getting that, that's why, like, a lot of the questions that it raised, where I was like, mm, I, well, I don't love that. You know, right. a lot more of that was coming up for me. But I think a lot of that, I mean, just, it's kind of like the discussion about, like, is it better to binge a show or is it better to have it out episode by episode? I think... To some extent, it's just going to be personal preferences, but For sure. I am very glad, yeah, that we have both options because I was supposed to be on a podcast for Fast and the Furious a couple weeks ago on a different network, and I had to drop out because they're also we had tickets I couldn't go at the last minute, and then I found myself getting like very annoyed that I couldn't just watch it online somewhere by paying for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I hope that we stay with that model certainly because I do like the option of being able to have, be. I like that everybody has the option because both with all the safety concerns about theaters and stuff like that, but also just because different people experience different movies in different ways. You know, yeah. this is what I'd much rather do. And also in yeah. terms of like accessibility, right? Like there are people yeah. who just have reasons aside from a p- pandemic that like going to theaters isn't a good option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely true. Well, okay. So we're going to dive into a lot of the actual questions it raised and that we've kind of touched on it a bit more, but just so Paul, I know you kind of like had a lot of uh, critiques in the movie. What did you like about it? What did I like about it? Yeah, I have a list of bullet points, and there's like seven bullet points. So that's like a full clip. Um, okay. So, nice. <laughs> just, these are things that I really liked about it. Like, I, I really enjoyed the intra-family interactions. They were often funny and occasionally poignant. Um, mm-hmm. The hand-to-hand action was very good. Uh, I've seen it referenced as being born style, and I think that's fair and part of what I like about it. That was the part of the action I liked, the hand-to-hand stuff. Right. Um, the Natasha versus Yelena fight specifically was very good. Um, (laughs) although I was like, why why are they fighting? Um, yeah, it was very brutal. (laughs) I I couldn't enjoy that fight because I had, it felt to me like they were fighting only because in team up movies, the people have to fight each other first before they decide to team up. And that just feels like such a dumb trope. Yes. I'm glad that people could enjoy the fight. I was just like, there's zero point in the plot for them to fight right now. That was exactly how I felt. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy this as a spectacle while, you know, the intellectual part of my brain is like, this is, this is, this does not need to be in the movie. Um, (laughs) There's anger there. There's anger there though. I mean, Yelena hasn't seen, you know, Nat never came for her. They don't know whose side what, you know, is on. And, you know, they're both being a little aggressive out the gate. I think they were kind of feeling each other out to see what they could do. I think like having uh, a dynamic like that makes sense. I think actually physically fighting each other with guns and knives and whatever, like <laughs> while there might be people trying to hunt them down, it's like, you know, work that stuff out later. Kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Um, this is how they work things out in this family. I guess so. I guess so. Um, <laughs> I did feel like the widow versus widows fight at the end was really well done and like made mm-hmm. sense. You know, um, oh yeah, and you know, for for most of the movie, I liked that the scope of danger and threat was fairly small. You know, um, yeah, and that that it was like contained. It was, it, you know, then they kind of blew it up at the end. Um, I appreciated that I I didn't feel like the characters were overly sexualized. 
um, mm-hmm, which right. I think is certainly a concern in a lot of movies and that they didn't really particularly go there. Um, and then one thing that I think is a sort of, to me, the biggest deal is like they had Nat do something legit awful in her backstory um, that she believed the ends justified the means, um, but also like the fact that they let her do that and have that be a thing she did for S.H.I.E.L.D., I feel like that's powerful and the writers kind of trust the audience to mm. not just kind of totally lose um, their adjo- enjoyment and appreciation and, you know, the way they can relate to the character, even mm-hmm. with her doing something like, you know, blowing up a kid. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they, kind of, they told us that in, in Avengers, right? That kind of a little bit that she had done that. They did. They implied Loki. it, right? And then yeah. here they showed right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, it's funny, that, that one moment I thought set up a really good thing that I then was very unhappy with how they paid it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll talk about it when we talk about kind of like the mm-hmm. way this whole idea of collateral damage was handled. But I, I do think you're right. And I, yeah, I'd agree with most of those things. And I think that was, to me, I know, and, and this can kind of get into one of our, our big, big questions. I also, just, I mean, like just starting kind of with the basic, like I think it's so important that we did get this movie. The, the women-led action movies have mm-hmm. been few and far between. And I, I thought this was a really good way of, of having that kind of a movie. Uh, and Ash, I know this is something you've talked about a lot, so I kind of want to like, let you, you handle it. What For you, what was the importance of that, uh, of this movie, and especially some of the topics it covered and the way it covered them? What I appreciated about how they filmed this movie, you know, um, director was a, a woman. It wasn't the feminism and, and all the things that go with it. It wasn't like shoved down anybody's throat. So everybody can watch this and kind of appreciate, you know, a powerful woman um, – you know, they they had her in a couple like sexy shots, which I saw people complaining about. But I'm like, you know, you know, we do this with the men. I didn't have such a problem with it because it wasn't like she wasn't in a tank top and, you know, underwear in any scenes like it was different. I don't know. I felt very empowered by all her stances and everybody. All the women in there were really great. Florence, especially. I love her. Um, and again, like you got to go to like the human trafficking and trying to shed a light on that. And and it's also like. I don't want to get too far ahead because I know mm. we're going to talk about stuff later, but um, the way she acts with Draco at the end, um, you know, is how a lot of women act without some kind of pheromone power stopping you mm. from hitting them. Yeah. The cowering, the making yourself small, him like physically holding her down with his body. Like that's terrifying for women. Even that mm. first scene when he raises his fist to hit her and she flinches. Like I had a physical reaction to that. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily she, she played him well, like played him pretty well, but yeah, that whole scene is very, I think it's just so important to see, like even someone as powerful as Natasha, like this is what it can feel like. Like if you think about yourself in, as an actress in a situation with a Harvey Weinstein, I feel like that is a perfect example mm-hmm. of what it could feel like. That's a really good point. Yeah, that, make, that makes total sense to me. I, I, I didn't think that scene with, with Dreykov was so powerful, especially at the end. where like There's a part of me that even kind of hopes that like maybe his punch did actually like sever her nerve, but she wasn't going to even let him have that. Like, <laughs> no, you were not strong enough. I have to do this myself. I love it. It was just such a great way of like reversing that power dynamic. And I, yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out. Mm-hmm. I, I also, especially when you're talking about like the posing and the sexiness of it, I it felt like a lot of this movie 
was very intentionally like making fun of what earlier directors have done and earlier writers have done with her character. Yeah. And here I'm thinking about the whole the whole running gag about Yelena making fun of like that <laughs> shot that was in every mm-hmm. single Iron Man you trailer of her like landing from a jump with her leg all the way out and it's like Catwoman pose and flipping her hair and it's just like okay we're gonna completely sexualize her in this combat moment and it's gonna have the movie literally make fun of that I just <laughs> yeah. was like okay that's such a good way of being like it, it, in some ways it reminded me like of what Birds of Prey did of kind of like poking some fun at how Suicide Squad had treated Harley like this felt very in that same vein of yeah we've not always treated Natasha's character well and here we're gonna acknowledge it and fix it yeah I love um when Yelena does it later and she's like grossed out by it. <laughs> she's yeah. like, no, totally impractical. She's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good way to land. <laughs> the other kind of thing that people most often brought up in terms of how uh, Natasha's character was handled before her death, which obviously also brings up a huge amount of stuff, mm-hmm. but was the way that like, you know, that, that scene in Ultron where she's talking to Hulk and, and he's like, uh, well, she basically tries to empathize with how monstrous he can be by saying like, or he thinks he can be. By saying, well, you know, because I, I can't get pregnant. And, and people obviously were very upset about that scene, I think for very good reason. Mm-hmm. And the scene where both her and Elena are describing in, in pretty awful detail, you know, what actually happened to them in terms of these non-consensual hysterectomies and surgeries. Yeah. And, and, like, I didn't love the tone of it. We can get into that later. But, like, them basically, like, forcing a man to confront that and not to look away, that also felt very specifically a, like, yeah, this could have been better in Ultron. Let's fix that now, which, yeah. I, which I really appreciated. Well, and of course, they had to go into that with a, making a period joke, which is why it went there. <laughs> they went there immediately. I was like, really? He's really going to ask them if it's that time of the month? And I thought that they handled it really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really liked that scene until I didn't. Like, yeah. you know, like I felt like it was, I don't know. I feel like that scene in Ultron could be fine as long as we under, like, Bruce could have just said, like, one thing, like, like that doesn't make you a monster, you know? Right, like, right. I think it's fine for her to think that about herself and be wrong. But wasn't, wasn't he saying his, in that point of the conversation, he was telling her, like, I can't give you a family, I can't have kids. Right, right. And, oh, I guess at the end she's like, you're not the only monster. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. So it's like, I, I, I feel like that's, like, one more line could have actually made it work in Ultron. Because, you know, because, like, people do think things about themselves that aren't true or fair or whatever, right? Because society Mm -hmm. does put whatever pressures on people. And here I felt like they did a a really good job of being like, no, we're going to make this real and Mm -hmm. make you, like, confront it. But then they've turned it into a joke. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it just felt to me a little bit like, like maybe you could go 30 seconds without getting a laugh right now you know yeah yeah i think that's disney being scared because they are trying to make this like pg-13 movie so they're trying to do this balancing act which when it's something this dark like it doesn't exactly work yeah 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 exactly yeah i think that's definitely one of my bigger concerns i think that seems a perfect example where it felt like there's these two tones they're kind of holding in the movie and, and not really conflating them well i will say though on the other side the one other thing i want to bring in especially in terms of like the the importance of this movie and the issues it was, you know, in terms of it being like a woman-led movie and the issues it was covering. And actually, I know you talked about this on, on the MCU cast. I love that the way that they like really front and center named like what is happening to the, the girls who become widows is trafficking. It's quite literally right. human trafficking. But they also did that in a way without, like they never sexualized that in, that, in any way, mm-hmm. which to me felt like, 
I would love to see a movie that did cover that and did go into the sexual the sexualization of it uh, and, and looked at how problematic that was. Mm-hmm. I felt like then that has to be the entire movie and it has to be a then you can't have the, the lighthearted jokes along the way, you know, like and so in some ways I was like that felt to me like they were going to dress that it's trafficking. They're going to really handle it well. But understand that, like, there's a depth of seriousness that that issue could go into that they can't do in this movie. And so they're not even going to touch it. Right. I I think that's why they made their opening scene so long. Um, Because if you watch some of the clips in there, it does show girls in, like, dresses, like sexy little cocktail dresses, young girls, when they're Mm -hmm. doing flashes of the pictures. And then, like, how powerful the impact of, like, the only thing they were trying to hold on to still were, like, stuffed animals yeah. Or, uh, it, yeah, that I would want to watch that whole opening sequence slower to see if they weren't trying to be like, okay, we can't really do this because it is a it's a Marvel movie, it's PG thirteen, but we're gonna sublimity put some in- images in here that will stay with you after you watch it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good way to put it, and and I mean that rendition of "Smells Like Teen Spirit" was just so haunting and perfect mm-hmm. for that moment. Ugh, get the chills just talking about it. I, I really <laughs> like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paul. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, like, mm, I don't know. It, I don't know. I, the, the, the trafficking thing, like, I think it's obviously such an important issue. It's a horrible issue that exists mm-hmm. in our world today, right? That I, it, it's really hard to, to cover in something like this, I think. And yeah. I, I agree that like, leaning that sort of shying away from the the fact that most trafficking in our world is you know sex trafficking right Mm -hmm. um i think was a good choice um i will say that um having the core conspiracy of the film be related to child trafficking by some shadowy russian figure when over the last five years democrats have been crowing about russian boogeymen and QAnon and Republicans have some ludicrous child trafficking conspiracy theory. Mm. It didn't feel good to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and some of that's like, but it's like, does that mean you shouldn't do it? Not necessarily. But like, I mean, right. personally, just like, I'm kind of over the whole like Russian villain in a spy film, like for a long time. But at the same time, it's like. You know, I know that's, like, her backstory. And yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, how else? Yeah, exactly. And and so it's it's tricky, you know. And it also struck me as a little odd that it was, like, 1995 or, or whatever, right? So it was clearly right. after the Cold War. But, of course, there ha- you know, the fact that Drakov was apparently maybe acting on his own. I actually didn't find it super clear whether there was, like, was he part of Hydra and then wasn't because Hydra got destroyed? Or it... it it felt a little um, unclear to me in terms of whatever yeah. affiliations there might have been at whatever points in yeah. time. Well, it was shield trucks going after them in the beginning when they were running from the yeah. Um, running. Yeah. So right. I guess and then I, it was a big shock that he was alive. So do we think that he like worked for Hydra and then after faking his own death, like went out on his own? That, I think that's the implication, but it felt unclear okay. to me. I didn't really think about that until right now. My take on it, especially because they talked at one point about, like, robbing from a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility that was actually a Hydra facility, was that, and maybe this is more hope because I really wanted it, is that they weren't Hydra. That they were just kind of their own offshoot thing. And I think part of how it, 
the thing that I wish they had made a little clearer, because I also think it would have really helped Alexi's character so much, is, like, Paul, you talked about how this was, like, in 95, it's, like, just a couple of years after the Soviet Union falls mm-hmm. and communism falls. To me, like, part of the reason why I'm okay with all the Red Room stuff is that that is somewhat based on, like, real things that the KGB was doing under the Soviet Union right. in terms of, like, mm-hmm. training young girls from a young age to be, like, both, like, you know, very sexy seductresses and spies. And, like, that's a real thing that happened. And I'm sure the CIA did, too. But I know that was kind of, like, the original inspiration for some parts of the Black Widow story. Mm-hmm. And especially with, Ale- like, Alexi talks about the party at times, mm, you know? Yeah. And I think, that, like, to me, there could have been such a beautiful story there of these people who were doing these terrible things, the parents, but they all thought it was justified in the name of, you know, the, the ideals of communism that they thought they were helping to bring about. Right. And that, you know, now the Soviet Union has fallen and they're not getting the support they need. And now, like, the, the Red Room is going off on its own. And so that and so that that's kind of why they, you know, to me, that like, like it's a general more ethical thing that we can get into later. But I was very unhappy for the most part with the way the parent story was, was handled because I felt like to see them be so complicit in the trafficking and then not to get much of an arc, but just to all of a sudden be like heroes again with, our, with the girls felt really off to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, making it about that Alexei was a communist and that when the Soviet Union fell, like, he kind of lost, you know, he kind of was on the outs or he didn't understand where things were going anymore. And that's where the loss of faith happened. Because then it also addresses what you're talking about, where now Drakoff was, like, to me, it would be kind of like Drakoff is to the Soviet Union as um, Red Skull was to the Nazis. You right. Know, that, like, mm-hmm. it was started by the Soviet Union, the KGB. But eventually he was like, okay, these KGB fo- idiots are fools, and they're, the Soviet Union's falling apart. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And so maybe that's why both of the parents are now, like, against Drakoff. You know, like, right. th- there was so much storytelling yeah. potential there yeah. that I felt like they, they lost out on. Yeah, putting him in jail probably helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, that's an, another one of the things where I was like, I feel like putting Alexei in jail didn't make any sense. No, he could just get out, I feel like. Right, like, either you kill him or you use him. Like, imprisoning him made no sense to me. Um, No. You know, and it's like you have a super soldier here just, like, hanging out in a prison that seems, like, fairly normal. Like, mm, I don't know. That that part didn't, you know, not to mention the whole burying the prison and basically killing everyone in the prison, possibly. Many of whom might have been political prisoners, like, just like it was nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Yeah. So, so yeah. Let's get into the topic of agency, and then a part of it is collateral damage. Okay, yeah. That's really a big part of this. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's because to me, I think this was my central problem with the movie. And, and granted, I didn't watch any of the trailers. Maybe if I had watched the trailers, I would have known to expect something different. Mm-hmm. But I still, I think, like, to me, the Black Widow movie that I always wanted was the movie that shows. Why did she join Shield? You know, why did right. she decide to stop being a Black Widow? Like, you know, she's still Black Widow, but you know what I mean. Like, to stop being the spy, to stop having red in her ledger, and to try and like make a face turn. Right. You could have made that movie seven years ago, and it would have been fantastic. <laughs> Today, like, I understand. Okay, they they don't think they can make that movie anymore. Maybe uh, Jeremy Renner doesn't want to make that movie. Uh, like, I, I know we got his voice for like three seconds, but you know, obviously he wasn't in it. Right. Beyond that. Um, so, so what I thought was going to happen was they're going to say, let's take the story of Yelena, this younger spy who basically has to face the same decision that Natasha does, and that Natasha will kind of like help guide her through deciding to make a face turn and to stop being part of the Black Widows and to become part of something better. 
And then in doing so, like maybe through flashbacks or maybe just Natasha telling her about her own experience, we'll get a better understanding of what Natasha went through because Yelena went through it as well. Mm -hmm. And so when like five minutes into the movie, we get this just, or 15, whatever, I'm bad at time, you know, (laughs) we get this red dot, red mist and just magically Yelena becomes a good person again, or at least not the person she was. To me, that felt like such a missed opportunity because now, yes, there are some agency of some of the other characters, but that central question of like, why do you stop? How do you overcome all these years of being brainwashed as a child soldier and find your way back to some better choices was totally thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's just the whole red mist thing. Like, I don't think from the trailers I saw it coming. I think that they had like vials, but I didn't know what, you know, didn't have any idea what it was. And just for that to be within the first couple minutes, you're like, well, character right. development. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That. I mean, by that point, I kind of, didn't like the movie um Mm. and or like when that happened (laughs) like that sequence getting to there there were still parts that i continued to enjoy as it went on but like i did have a feeling like this wasn't this wasn't nat's story and what i was expecting Mm -hmm. like i've i've wanted to see a black widow movie since avengers came out at least and and i wanted it to be her movie and I would have liked something that was more Bond, uh, more born and less Bond. We, I'll we'll get into mm-hmm. that a little later. But like, <laughs> mostly in terms of like, you know, the the agency. It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, well then, if you're telling Yelena's story and the parents' story, which I think this was more their story than it was Nat's story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She was kind of more like a character reacting to what was going on with them, like. Right. If you're going to do that, then having it all be just this red mist, whatever kind of agency, I feel like they didn't really sell whatever the turn, uh, like the parents, I don't think really earned trust in a way that yeah. was reasonable. Right. And, right. And it, I felt like it kind of couldn't decide whose story it was. And the care, like Natasha had agency going forward once she decided to do what she was going to do. Right, except for the moment when she didn't, and then she, you know, broke her own nose, and then she did. Uh, which also, like, I everything that you said about that, Ashley, I find very powerful, and um, makes me appreciate that scene more than I did as I was viewing it. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still have reservations about actually taking away the character's agency. The fact that she was able to overcome it, and I think mm-hmm. is great, you know. Um, yeah. And to then, me, to me, the key. Yeah, go ahead. To me, the key there is I wish she had been the one to figure it out. Oh yeah. About the olfactory nerve. Yeah. Because then uh, she would have yeah. had the agency yes. of. Yes. Yeah, she has the power to break his control instead. So like when it was the mom, I was like, ah, mm. okay, that sucks. Yeah. If she didn't know about it, um, and right. then she figured it out, and then she's like, oh wait, well I know this. Like, all right, here's here's why I love Black Widow, but not like the movie Black Widow. Like, <laughs> Natasha Romanov is an unenhanced human who's supposed to be clever, cunning, and hyper-competent. And in movies like The Avengers and Winter Soldier, I feel like they do pretty good justice to this idea. They do that some here, but then they also, like, instead of, like, writing, like, clever and realistic fight and chase scenes, they go over the top and make it more like a Bond film. And, you know, one of my favorite things about a character like Batman in the Justice League animated series, not the Snyder Mess... Um, is that like he's a peak conditioned human who's really really smart really competent and finds a way to hang with these larger than life heroes who have amazing superpowers 
and like at one point he's in his bat wing and it and it crashes and he's falling out of it and he's like hey if anyone can catch me that would be great i can't fly at <laughs> yeah. all like yeah and then someone then like wonder woman saves his ass i think right because like she would have to and like here one of the things i love about black widow in the mcu is like she's so badass that she's a normal human who can do extraordinary things that humans can actually conceivably do without any superpowers and so when they have the like falling floating fortress fight fiasco at the end it felt so (laughs) illogical and like like Mm. i want to see her be really clever and figure out the thing about the olfactory nerve right i want to see exactly show me how she escapes from ross like that could have been a really clever like she does something really smart really badass whatever like they just cut and they're like oh she did it like because she's that badass i'm like show me that and then the second yeah. time he shows up, you can cut away from it. Like, you know, and yeah, just like... Yeah, they did it both. <laughs> and that bothered me more on the second time, like when the family leaves. Yeah, me too. I was and, like, what And it happened? just cuts out. Like, yeah, what happened? Yeah. How and did like she get out of there? And like that scene with Drankoff was frustrating, especially because you did get to see her do one of her coolest things. Yeah. Where, right. like to some extent, you're right. I think, Ashley, you're very right. Like the there was a good deal of actual caroling, I think, to some extent, which is very relatable. And I'm so glad you made that point. But I also think she was playing him the exact same way she played Loki back in Avengers. And right. Yeah. I thought that was such a good callback. Mm-hmm. And and that's why, to me, the mother knowing it and telling her undersold it. Because if the whole thing was, like, she was playing into dumb male ego to get him to monologue and to waste time while she figured out how to beat him, like, that would have made so much more sense, you know? I, yeah. It also would have meant he had to monologue about an actual plan instead of just like, I have 50 widows around the world. Wah, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that was super dumb. I thought um, it was interesting the way for, like, the other side of it, um, her going and knowing exactly how to act with with a powerful, cruel man like that just shows, I thought, shows how true. good she is because she was very convincing. You know, we didn't know that she knew right away. And that scene was so hard to watch because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a fair point. That's a fair For point. Sure. She played it so well. Like, she let him smack her around and she cowered. And you actually believed, like, oh, shit, you know, she can't hit him. Like, what is going to happen here? Um, and then she's like, thank I you don't for know. your cooperation. Oh my god! When she did that little smile, I just I smiled back. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that, that callback was so perfect. Oh my yeah. god, she got him. Because <laughs> you're right, it, it, Paul. To me, that's her. Not only it, it's not only her being very smart and figuring things out, but her being so good at playing others. Mm-hmm. You know, so good at manipulating others. Um, and that's why I kind of I do really like the fact that she did know, and she was hoping the whole time that he would knock it out of her and just mm. to get that last dig to just degrade him and you know unmasculine him one more time to be like you old man weren't even strong enough to do it so watch me break my face on your desk uh i don't know i just yeah. i liked it I can see that. <laughs> that's fair back to just the agency point though I, one of the things that i kept thinking of is i've read a lot about you know sort of child soldiers and what happens when like these armies kidnap kids when they're four or five or six and raise mm. them and how it, it you know, it's not in a supervillain kind of way, but the best way to describe it is brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And we can see, like, in cults and stuff like that, yeah. or even, like, uh, certain, certain political movements, perhaps, sure. in this country. Yeah, like, you know, QAnon. <clears throat> and, yeah, and the, and the story of people who, like, as adults, break away from those things are very powerful. Yeah. yeah. And, and to me, that's, again, that that's why the Red Mist thing bothered me so much, was just I, I wanted that part of the story. Uh, it, and to leave it in, though, to the kind of this, the thing that, you both were talking about that kind of brought me around to this was I think another big part of that that was missing was 
the way they handle this topic of collateral damage. Because we start out by hearing that Black Widow, in order to try and kill Drakoff, though it turns out she was unsuccessful, you know, was okay killing his daughter as well. And that's... I don't like it when someone says, like, I've read my ledger and they mean one specific event. I more hoped it was, like, you know, a long series of things and this is just a worst example. Mm-hmm. I think Which I, I, I'm in a head... Yeah, I think that I think that is the, th- the case, for sure. So to me, I feel like what part of what that would mean is that now, like, you know, she maybe is going to try and, like, at least pass a little bit of that on to Elena. So as you said, like, when during a prison break, it isn't a Hydra prison. It isn't a super evil prison. It's just a prison in Russia with guards who are getting paid, you know, to, to do the thing they're supposed to do. They're not <laughs> evil. And Elena just, like, breaks out a rocket launcher to blow one of them up. And then also this terrible avalanche and like when when they when the rocket launcher happened i natasha does give her a look for a second and i was like okay awesome we're gonna have a moment of natasha being like no 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 no. we 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 can't just kill bystanders with you know i did collateral damage that wasn't okay we have to change for that plot point to be completely dropped and then there'd be nothing about that or nothing about like all the guards on the 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 floating station who might have been killed to me that really bothered me as well because it just felt like they raise this thing that in theory she should be con- confronting as like an ethical issue. And then both she never confronts it and she never confronts Elena about it. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be more than 20, 25 people on that big f- floating space station or whatever the heck that was. Mm-hmm. We only saw about 15, 20 people. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I feel worse for the prisoners than the guards. I don't know. That's just also true. Yeah. Also yeah, true yeah, yeah. my leanings. But like, but like, yeah, it's like, you know, you go blowing people up and then killing people in avalanche and dropping them out of the sky. And like, you know, that particularly when it was juxtaposed with how much she like wasn't going to kill any of the Black Widows or use lethal force against them or what, you know, deliberately lethal, what, what, you know, qualifies as lethal force in, in comics um right <laughs> you know it, it's uh that it i don't know yeah that didn't work for me i felt like and it could have <laughs> been something that they they played into you know and it could have shown mm-hmm. like how it is like yeah if you're an assassin and then you're trying to not be an assassin like it's not always easy to stop killing people right 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, especially because that idea of, like, we have to kill this awful leader and we're okay that they're, like, a young child in the house with them because this is their only chance. Right. Like, that's not made up from fantasy world. Like, that's that's a decision-making process that happens. Like, you know, a lot of time we, like, fire off a missile into somewhere. Or, you know, other governments do the same kind of thing. Like, it, it, to me, that would have been such a good issue to see them wrestle with a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just And I guess it seems like S.H.I.E.L.D. was okay with her doing that because there's no way they didn't know. I, I thought she said that – because – I thought, like, the moment we, the little bit of Hawkeye's voice we hear is him saying, I, I thought he asked her, is Drakoff alone in the building? And she says yes. Okay. I mean, also, though, like, Hawkeye maybe not approving of what, like, I feel like Fury might not really care yeah. if he blew up a kid. Yeah. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, again, like, what if we just got a movie about Budapest? You know? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that. I, I definitely would have read. And I, I can understand, though, how maybe that would feel like it was, like, Black Widow and Hawkeye movie. And so it didn't mm-hmm. really feel like a solo film. And I think one of the things that's a real shame about um, having so few female-led solo films to this point is I feel like we're past the point where solo films make a lot of sense. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like you kind of 
this this gets into um the the prequelitis um but like i i feel like they kind of missed the chance where it made a lot of sense to do it because like they just weren't there yet and i I think these movies would have done well then as well i mean i always thought um that they could have had female-led action movies for a long time before they actually started Mm -hmm. doing it or you know yeah led by people of color or whatever like yeah i think that's a good point i think i think if you put hawkeye in the movie it would have to be something like budapest is the last third yeah you know and he doesn't show up like maybe they have one 10 second fight earlier in the movie but most of the movie is about her in the her in the you know the the school and her doing the terrible things Mm -hmm. and slowly evolving and then hawkeye is a part of you know the last third of her face turn but you're right, yeah, if it would be a Hawkeye and Black Widow movie, that would have definitely undercut that yeah. idea. And, like, I would rather see that movie, not because I'd rather it... Yeah. I mean, this one didn't even feel like it was her movie, like, her story, because it felt so much like it was supposed to be Yelena's or the parents' story in terms of the characters mm-hmm. who were actually making new choices or whatever. But, like, you know, she did get to be the main badass. Yeah. And I think that's what I mean about The Red Mist, is because, to me... This would work if you if it was Yelena's story, but the very clear implication is Yelena's story was Natasha's story. Right, you yeah, know? It's yeah. Like, it was all about, mm-hmm, like, the mm-hmm. parallels there. And then Natasha's so. kind of mentoring through it, as opposed to be like, oh, you got the red mist, you're good? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's talk about the kind of tone of the movie, because we brought this up a bit, especially that scene with the them talking about the hysterectomies and the, um, the forcible non-consensual hysterectomies and then the uh alexi kind of just making a joke of it what what was kind of your your thoughts paul about like they're they're, they're feeling like the, the 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 movie could never figure out when to stop making jokes or however you describe this to- the tone of the movies yeah i mean it's funny because i really enjoy movies and tv shows that blend humor with very serious stuff mm-hmm. and i think this movie was definitely trying to do that um but i think it's a very delicate thing and i, I think think it requires a certain amount of trust like that your audience can sit through something that's basically just drama or just trauma or you know or just fighting without quips like it was very quippy you know Mm -hmm. and like i understand that's like very common in comic stuff but like it really only works for me for a few characters and it it just felt like there were times when I thought they they were like, we need to like get a laugh in here. We can't lean into this serious stuff for too long. Which, uh, you know, the intro scene didn't, right? The intro scene, I, I think, actually did a pretty good job. I didn't, I didn't love the, the whole opening sequence, but I do feel like it did a really good job of kind of setting up what I think they wanted to be the tone, which was like serious, but with, you know, humanity and, um, and humor. Uh, mm-hmm. But just, it, it felt... It, it felt like they, I don't know, just didn't kind of quite strike that balance, however it is. You know, it's not like a yes or no thing. It's just it didn't quite do it for me. Um, yeah. I feel like um, Yelena's stuff hit for me. Mm-hmm. She was constantly making me laugh throughout, like giggle throughout yeah, the whole yeah. thing. A lot of her lines were yeah. written written well in a way that it would make sense. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Alexi stuff, seemed, it was just like, I saw someone made a comment like there's one character in this movie you could take out and it would be the exact same movie and it's definitely him and it was like if you just took him out of the movie really nothing would change. Yeah, I I, I think that's very true and I, the way I kind of think of it as you were both talking about it, to me there's a difference between 
people in hard situations who, as the people they are, say funny things mm-hmm. versus, like, gags in a movie. And, like, right. yeah. to me, The Wire is one of my favorite TV shows I've ever seen and probably one of the absolute darkest. Mm-hmm. Like, it is yeah, oh, all yeah. about, like, the broken corruption of human institutions and all of this. And, like, people do funny things. People say yeah. funny things. I laughed uproariously at that show. But it always felt very clear. It was very in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yelena kind of saying to Alexi, like, he's wrong about the gas. And then a gag of the... Like, of the... Uh, of the helicopter falling from the sky in a way that they all should have died from. Uh, but like, <laughs> like, like that to me, that, that uh, kind of going with what you're saying, that to me felt like it would only happen in a Bond movie, not a Bourne right. movie. Like, I felt like classic a... mansplaining to me. And yet again, like as women, when you're like, this thing is not going to work and a man's like, yes, it is. You don't know what you're talking about. So often we just, we wait to see, to see you proved wrong without, you know, being like fighting about it. You're just like, well, fine, you'll see. <laughs> Because yeah. we are so easily like just cower down to that for some reason, but um, that's how I kind of saw it. Because she, you know, she knew that it wasn't going to happen, and it was more of a like, well, you'll see, I'll, you'll be proved wrong. Mm-hmm. But you know, so often that's how it happens. Is like, you know, you we know we're right, but we just stay silent mm-hmm. because we know the the outcome will be shown at the end, and then you get to be like, told you so, because yeah. it doesn't matter what you say; they're not going to listen. I think that's very fair, and I think that's a really good point. I. I felt like the execution of that through this, like, sight gag that didn't seem to fit the rest of the movie just felt off. But mm-hmm. I think you're right in terms of it being the, like, her being like, well, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong instead of arguing with you about it. That that takes total sense to me, and I'm really glad you pointed that out because I probably didn't see it as much as you did. I, I, I think, Ashley, you make a really good point, and I think, Matthew, you make a good point, too. And it's just, like, maybe you could do the same thing but in a little bit less of a gag way. And maybe yeah, it would right. have a little different tone, right? Like you can do the, the yeah. same idea, but you can show them like actually like trying to land the thing and be like, I told you, you know? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. The laughs. I always, I guess I, I feel a little more, more lenient when they do that. Cause you're like, okay, that's, that's for the kids, for the children, sure, for yeah. the children, <laughs> for the children. Yeah. I think you're right. I think especially the part about Alexi's character could have been removed. To me, I think that's the kind of most damning thing about this because in many ways, he was my favorite character. Like, I thought he was such an interesting character and this idea mm-hmm. of, like, the person holding on to, the like, the forgotten dreams and the, like... To me, I think one of the things that really hurt the movie was when they tried to give both of the parents kind of a redeemable mm-hmm. arc, you know? Especially when she's still like, oh, yeah, all that terrible thing happened to my kids 15 years ago, but I'm still torturing pigs because, you know, why not? Yeah, the like, pig oh, torture. You can't forgive her for that. Oh, man. That was yeah, a big like, problem. To me... I feel like you could have really had moments of Alexi being like, yeah, no, like that's not the path I'm on anymore. And, and, and there be, or being the other way, like like one of the parents not being okay, but the other one earning some trust, trying to do both of their stories just didn't work. And like, there's that scene towards the end where Alexi has had some awareness and growth and he's realized how badly he's treated these girls and like all the, the, the awfulness about not respecting them and the mansplaining and the, the, the period jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to have this moment of, like, reconciliation with them, uh, or at least mm-hmm. acknowledging his failures. And I kept waiting for him to do kind of, like, one heroic thing to help, or one moment of... And instead it just became, like, the 90s comedy of the helpless dad, who everyone's like, oh, well, we still love him anyway. It, to me, that really took me out of the movie, because it just yeah. felt like either he's incompetent because he's kind of awful and let him stay a villain, 
or give him some ability to be like, look, I know how awful I screwed up. I'm going to try and help and be at least somewhat confident about it. Yeah. The way they did it, it just felt like a 90s family romp shoved into this like very deep, complex movie. Yeah. I saw, so with the parents, um, I mean, if we can even call them that, what I keep going back to in my head is, you know, they were forced into this mission and they were all only together for three years. Mm-hmm. So the the ties um, that they have to them, I, I mean, I just can't imagine for the parent, like for the kids, 100% I understand, you know, those three years were really important. They were young. But as an adult, like imagine you're an agent and you work there and then you get sent on this thing. It's only three years of your, you know, 40, 40. 45 year you know term being like a mad scientist or whatever like i feel like that's not the most important thing you've ever done in your life or i don't know i just kind of i don't know i see it a little bit differently um from the mom's side like she still worked for them that was her job she's you know doing the horrible pig stuff um but it wasn't until the end that like when natasha said all that stuff to her like you actually really changed my life did she you know say like oh they're gonna be here in five minutes i'm really sorry (laughs) right yeah yeah, I, like, I really enjoyed all the interactions between all four of those characters. Um, <laughs> and um, I, but it didn't all add up, like, to me in terms of making sense, you know? Right. Um, and, yeah, like, Alexei's character, I feel like, could have been one of the more interesting characters because he actually had agency throughout. Um, <laughs> so showing what the motivations were would, would have been kind of powerful i think um what melina is that the mom's name like yeah i feel like it wasn't even said that much but like her i mean i guess she was from childhood right was mm-hmm. was you know raised in this so i can understand yeah. her having um you know conflicts within and like she didn't get out the way natasha did and then now she's mind controlled to some extent but um yeah. she is the one who said i don't want to go in the beginning you know yeah so clearly right. that experience i mean you can be like well it was only three years and I, I i get that you know but at the same time it was the only three years that those two were parents Right. And they were parents th- for that time. Like, they were foster parents, I guess, basically, right? But, like... Yeah. I feel like more in the moment, I mean, like, when they were taken out of it and, like, yeah. the girls taken away from them, like, it was probably hard at first, but then to just keep going on and doing your work, I feel like it wouldn't be too hard, like, difficult for them to fall back into that. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know I, I guess I'm just saying, like, I can see how an experience like that might be, like deeply moving and then stay with you even when you've like moved on in terms of what you're doing in your life it might still have some meaning for you that could kind Mm -hmm. of you know pull you back from whatever um and i guess they're trying to like say that that's what brought them around at the end was you know love family relationships so they did kind of get there but not very uh seamlessly exactly (laughs) and like i feel like the fight scene at the end was like very illogical with everything falling from space and like nobody had any superpowers but we're fine yeah it was ridiculous But let's not forget you don't need logic when you've got family ah Uh, there we go there we go i really love how quickly you were able to get that and also how furious it makes ashley Mm. (laughs) not fast just furious (laughs) exactly yeah and i hear all that and i i I think it's why i keep going back to the idea that like if they I think I think actually you're right. You can definitely see on you can definitely see the reasons why Marina made her turn, and I think you can see the reasons why Alexis made his turn. I just felt like by trying both to, wrong, 
Both wrong. I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm like, at least go two for two, right? That's good. That's good. <laughs> Melina and Alexi. You're like, Marina and Alex. Or <laughs> Alexi, okay, fine, fine. Names, whatever. Sorry, I'm sorry. It was oh, really oh, funny. I couldn't oh, hold it in. Oh. The, the mom and the dad. Look, look. You know, Sebastian Stan's going to make a great movie for me one day. I know it's going to happen. But anyway, um, I, yeah, I, I just felt like if you'd given either one of them, like, an actual arc, you know, it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. And, and this is more like not even an ethical thing just about the movie itself, but like the, probably the point uh, I think both of you have made sometimes about that whole last scene with the falling stuff, you know, the, the, the spaceship or the airship yeah. falling and like every time it would blow up, but then it still is falling right. and people can be on a different right. level. Of it. Right. It's ridiculous. To me, and this kind of gets into the prequelitis ideas of it, uh, which I do think there's some ethical questions there, but also just bad movie making. If the only character in this movie who we 100% know is still alive at the end of the movie, having a lot of the movie center on whether or not Natasha is going to survive in a, a difficult situation, it's felt like such a waste. Mm. You know, I, yeah, Ashley, I was kind of channeling you here. Like I, I thought one of the three of the members of the family was definitely going to die. Then mm-hmm. frankly, I thought it'd be one of the parents would probably make the most sense, you know, particularly in kind of like if they made a sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, uh, like, I think Elena clearly was going to live, but, like, even if you just showed it, like, tried to generate tension by having the three of them, like, Natasha's trying to save them, but they're, we're not sure if they're going to live or not, that would have generated tension. Yeah. But I had, yep. I, I knew for a fact that Natasha doesn't die in this movie, because I've seen her in the movie that comes out. Right. So, yeah, yeah it, it just felt like that was, again, such a... Um... It did look like they kept trying to make us think that Yelena was going to die. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I know that this isn't happening, so you guys right. could just stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she was the one who was kind of put in the most obvious danger, right? Where it looked like she was yeah, sacrificing she almost, herself or whatever. Yeah, get her brain cut out. Yeah. Like, I was like, uh-oh, are they going to do this? <laughs> and then, um, when they blew her off the uh, thing at the end, which was a pretty scene. I really yeah. enjoyed the action. But I was just not worried about them at all. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like, I don't mind that kind of stuff that much, but I do understand it to be an issue in terms of like drama and um you know sort of suspense uh there it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of that to me Uh, i have one more note on the family before getting into the kind of people thing or whatever Mm -hmm. why do they all have russian accents yeah and why aren't they all speaking russian if they're all exactly (laughs) like the fact that they were sometimes speaking russian was cool like i don't know how good their russian is but like I appreciate that detail, but like when they're speaking English to each other, they all lived in Ohio for three years and passed as American for three years. Like, why would they then? I I felt like it was, I felt like they wanted to show, I I don't know. Like, don't forget these people are Russian. Like, it felt (laughs) weird to me that they were speaking English in a Russian accent instead of either Russian or English with their, you know, spy accents, basically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, we are supposed to believe that, like, uh, you know, the two kids were then raised in Russia. Mm-hmm. And so probably had a lot of their linguistics. To be spies. Know, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So you actually to be spies to speak with pretty much whatever hell accent yeah, they, they want. Yeah, they speak good British, you know. And similarly, we knew that uh, Alexei. Uh, yes, Alexei. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, that he, you know, had was russian he grew up russian mm-hmm. but he just had them faked an american accent but yeah why would he keep doing it you know who the hell knows i will say that i felt um like at least they stuck to it and they had all the characters speak with russian accents and it, it just it's the, it's just the dumb movie thing yeah. like 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, we talked on a different episode of this podcast about how in Warrior it makes a lot more sense that, like, if you're showing characters speaking in English because the understanding should be they're not speaking English, but, like, we want we, – we, you don't want to have subtitles for the whole movie, which, fine, is a choice, sure. even though it's not my favorite. Yeah. I get speaking in the accents to kind of remind us of that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it wasn't that – Yeah, I, but in I Warrior they don't though, do that, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. That's our mm. point. Uh, I did appreciate the end, like when the other widows were there, and even like the African American ones. The other one, they were all speaking with the Russian mm-hmm. accents yeah. because that's all they knew. Yeah, yeah. Like They're that. Like, that mm-hmm. part, I thought it's like if you're going to commit to that, then at least they committed to that all the way. Yeah. Although, Whereas, you know, Ray Winstone, Ray, Ray Winstone as Drakeoff, like he was doing a Sean Connery version of a Russian accent. So at least that was, yeah. you know, that was <laughs> the Russian accent by way of Scotland or England. Right. So it felt very, was... very Bond to me. That yes. That whole room felt like a Bond villain room. I mean, they nailed that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so you know, Paul, you'd want, you brought up the prequelitis stuff before. What what for you didn't work there about um like the way they were trying to tell the story, given that we know that this is all prequel? Well, so just first, like I want to like just ask the question: Why is every female fronted super ho- superhero solo film a prequel? So far. Yeah. Like Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, World War One, Wonder Woman 84, Captain Marvel in the 90s. This was more recent, but it's still a prequel. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like maybe they're trying to be like, see, we've had, you know, powerful women in our universes for the whole time. We just didn't make those movies at the time because, like, uh, the studios didn't want us to. I don't know. It yeah. Like, mm-hmm. make one that's in the current timeline. I mean, you know, I guess WandaVision is a series that is. You know, but right. like yeah. it's... Captain Marvel two is going to be current, right? So that'll that'll be nice. You know, um, I don't think. I guess this would be it for the the prequels, right? I think. I mean, they were talking about making more prequels, but like, I, I'm not a big fan of prequels in general. I think you know, you bring up the good point of like you can't, you know, put your main character in mortal danger if you know they survive, right? Right. Um, right. So in terms of like what the stakes are, it's difficult. Um, actually, this movie, it bothered me that it was a prequel because like every other female fronted superhero solo film, that's hard to say, um, has been yeah, a prequel. Good for- but like, yeah. I actually like the idea of making movies in certain of these time spans. Like, I think Black Panther 2, an interesting choice would be like, make it during the blip. Like, you know, yeah. T'Challa wasn't there anyway. So, like, you can tell that story um, and kind of sidestep it for another few years and then figure out what you're going to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, prequels, obviously, we did a whole episode on prequels, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> one prequel that I, like, I'm watching The Bad Batch right now and really enjoying it. And I actually rewatched the end of um, The Clone Wars. And there's a very similar scene where Ahsoka's falling out of the sky, from a, yeah. a ship that is falling out of the sky and like running on debris and whatever. And it feels like a stretch there, but like she's a Jedi, you know? Right. Yeah. And yes, the plot <laughs> kind of gives Jedi whatever powers it wants them to, you know, wants to. But like mm-hmm. here, that, that scene felt so out of place here for me because it was like, these aren't the heroes who can fly. So, you know. Right. Well, uh, although mm-hmm. I would say that the, the Ahsoka scene is very different because in some ways because of the different part of prequelitis because Ahsoka is this totally interesting new character who's been introduced mm-hmm. who doesn't appear in any of the stuff that was made before but comes later yeah. 
her dying in that scene would have actually made perfect sense. Right, exactly. So she didn't. So I she didn't have the yeah. Oh yes, I get what Yeah, without the plot armor, it's a much better way to tell that. story. Exactly. There's there's right. suspense, and then there's also believability when she survives because like she has the force, and like here it was just a little like, well, we know she's gonna survive. I don't know how because she's falling out of the sky, but like she's going yeah. to, and like ostensibly it's because she's clever and hyper competent and stuff. But it, it just felt like a little too much of a stretch. I'd rather have foregone that whole space thing and like instead like show me in the beginning how she gets away from Ross because you could have had something that was really smart, really badass, and would have kind of established her character up front that way. Um, and just, I think it would have required a little bit more clever writing and a little bit less, like, let's go for the biggest spectacle. Yeah. yeah. I think that's And then have your huge spectacles in Captain Marvel, because, like, she has all the powers, you know? Yeah. Right. That makes sense. I don't know. I'll just throw one thing into the prequel thing. Um, it's not a hero movie, so I think you're right, it doesn't quite count. It's an anti-hero movie, but Birds of Prey okay. is the only one that I can think of that's, like, you know, female, fo- uh, woman-led uh, and it is told in the present day of either like Marvel or DC movies. Right, but it's not a solo film, and that's why I said solo film, which also makes oh, okay, superhero yeah, solo film good harder point, to say. Good. But yes, yeah, <laughs> that takes place in the, I mean, whatever the present day of the DC universe is. Like, right. none of those movies seem to actually have any consequence on one another. But yeah, that's not a prequel, and I appreciate that, you know. Yeah. I would have rather they actually did make a solo film for Harley Quinn and call it a solo film, but whatever, that's a separate thing. Yeah, that's, that's mm. a different debate. We'll have a different time, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I get that. And, you know, I feel like all prequels, it always raises the question of, okay, now that you've put this new piece on the board, why wasn't this piece used at all during these next years, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. it does seem at least that we're going to get more about what Yelena's doing since we now know that she's been, like, kind of working with, with – uh, Val for the last couple of years, although I have some thoughts about how that was raised. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but I like in some ways, I think I love this. I have so many thoughts about that scene between uh, Natasha and Drakoff at the end because so much of it was so good, and then just a few things that were bad were like, no, you're, you're stepping on this great moment. Because <laughs> honestly, one of the things I'd really loved about this movie up until now was that the stakes were very low. Oh, yeah. You know, in terms of yeah. like, you know, like, yes, like, 50 or 100 women are having their lives completely destroyed by this man. And maybe their victims are like 500 people. Like, that's very, very serious. But compared to like, the villain's going to blow up a city of 8 million, you know, a total of 600 people at risk is a much smaller thing. Well, weren't they saying that um, one of every 20 girls, he kills all of them and only saves one? Right. Yeah, okay. That's a lot of girls. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, we could get into the thousands maybe, but it's still a very small kind of a story, which I loved, especially because for most of the movie, and this also goes to the kind of collateral stuff that I wish they'd explored more, for most of the movie, Natasha doesn't have this high-minded idea of, I have to save the world because he's going to destroy things. He screwed up her life and she wants revenge Mm. and she wants to kill him. And, like, she wants to, I think she wants to stop what he's doing and stop the harm he's doing. But it just felt like such a nice, like, yeah, in this one little part of the world, this one person is doing horrible things to this small group of people, and Natasha wants to stop him, and Yelena joins her. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, when he gave this, like, 30-second, you know, I control empires and economics and wars and peace, which makes no sense whatsoever, especially because it's never been discussed in the world before. Right. That was just one of those things where, like, if this is a complete standalone movie, Sure. For this to fit into a larger MCU, it just, 
I was just like, you were doing so well. You had a small little villain doing a small little thing. Just stick with that. You don't have to have like this grand plan. And for everyone to not know that he was still alive. And I, I mean, I feel like right now what we're talking about, I also don't love that it was a villain that was already supposed to be dead yet again. Villains don't yeah. die. No one ever dies. And now he's back again. And it was just like she has to do it all over again. I'm like, yeah, cool. Especially because it kind of under like a it means that like this horrible thing. Natasha. First of all, like I'm glad Drakov's daughter isn't dead, but it also sort of means that like Natasha has been carrying all this guilt for no reason, <laughs> which I feel like kind of undercuts her character. Yeah. Yeah. But also, yeah, but also if she felt like at least the thing I did was to, it did this good thing. Yeah, if he's still alive, it kind of like takes that away from her. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like making Drakov out to be this big master villain at the end just felt totally irrelevant. Because, mm-hmm. like, we already know that he doesn't do anything of consequence going forward because we've seen the future. And, like, they may have well have kept the stakes relatively small and believable. I mean, I, I think... You know, Ashley, you make a great point. I think it was like one in 30 or thing or something like survives the training, right? So like, right. Okay. this is mm-hmm. a large number of girls that he has kidnapped and, you know, murdered or turned into assassins, right? He's taken their lives right. away. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. Like, you don't have to make yeah. it a bigger deal, right? Yeah. Like, that's enough. Clear, I, I wasn't... I wasn't all trying to say to minimize no, I, that. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. one of my point. He's like, no, it, he's not saying that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. No, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, look, like that's. That, that would have been enough. Yeah, that's enough. Like that's yeah. relatively small. It doesn't have to be the control of the globe and whatever. It's like, no, it's like killing a bunch of girls is horrible. And stopping someone from doing that and going forward is good. Like, that's it. Like, that's yeah. enough. You know, <laughs> you don't have to, like, make him this big master villain. I mean, I maybe a head, way of headcanning it is, like, maybe he's deluding himself, you know? And he's not really doing yeah. that. But, like, that's that's headcanon. That's not, you know, text. Um, I also think... Oh, that, that would have been such a beautiful thing as well if she'd been able to oh, like, yeah. expose that right. and be like... Yeah. You're nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and then I also do feel like... Um, you know, that, like, his daughter being Taskmaster felt very predictable. It does undercut, you know, Nat's guilt to some extent. Although, you know, I mean, then again, I didn't, we don't know what her life would have been like otherwise. It doesn't seem great now, although she has superpowers. Right. But, like, again, mm-hmm. like, it... She's Robocop right, under there, I think. exactly. It's just ahead, right? Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it felt <laughs> like a little bit of, like, Wonder Woman parallels, like the first one. Where, you know, for all the things that, like, it's great to have these, like, female-fronted, female-led solo films. Like, I feel like Wonder Woman fell into the trope of, like, okay, you have the gorgeous woman hero. You have the, like, heavyset, you know, friend who's, like, comic relief. And then you have the, like, disfigured woman as, like, the evil woman. And it's, like, you know, here it's, like, you have the one woman who's, like, disfigured from getting blown up by Natasha, like, now she's, like, the villain. And and she gets, you know, set free, and she didn't want to be the villain. But, like, it it feels, like, not the best. You know, like, there's still mm-hmm. some some kind of, I don't know, sort of, like, internalized misogyny there. Um, yeah, I think it's That fair. hasn't been escaped from yet. Mm. Yeah, well, especially because, to me... I was definitely hoping that that was going to be at least the one person who who couldn't be red misted. You know that there had to be, mm. you know, because I mean it was her father, right? You know, and that maybe that she was like she was the one person who really bought into. Right. All maybe of she this. had agency. Yeah, like I actually thought there was going to be like I don't know much about the the biology of pheromones, but like, you know, I assume there's some level of genetics to it. I was kind of wondering if there'd be like a little bit of that 
from her. Mm. Um, yeah. But, yeah. It could oh, play with that a lot. So that uh, could have been the scene you wanted Fox. If, if yeah. Yeah. she talked her, was a like that didn't work on her and she talked uh, the daughter down. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been such a good, just to have some when level she, of that, that kind of agency. When she's there. about to kill another family member. There it is. We just fixed the end of this movie. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Monday Hollywood morning uh, movie doctors, I think is what. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Monday morning when we're recording this. Where I am anyway. Uh, yes. Everyone else is in that. Yeah. Afternoon. Exactly. So let's just talk about the, uh, the post credit scene uh, as kind of a wrap up. Uh, what'd y'all think? Yeah. <sighs> I think that Yelena needs to call Alicia Silverstone and give her her outfit back from Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, wrong cast, wrong I, cast. I, had a, like, I thought we're no longer in the 90s anymore moment when I saw that. <laughs> it's like yellow plaid on top of yellow plaid. Oh. You know what? I, I, had... <laughs> I mean, the fact that she grew up in the 90s in the U.S. and then now here she's coming back to the U.S. Maybe she feels like that's just how Americans dress. I don't know. She looked like she was dressed for London. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, she 90s was... nostalgia is becoming a thing again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so for me, I I had like three distinctly different. I kind of look at that end scene in as two distinctly different scenes that I had wildly different reactions mm. to. Mm-hmm. The first part felt like one more. We're going to fix what other directors did to, to like screw up Natasha's character earlier which is that, to me, one of the glaring weaknesses of Endgame is that Tony gets this, like, beautiful, moving funeral scene, mm-hmm. and Natasha doesn't. Yeah. And, like, when when we... Just that one shot of Natasha's grave and it calling her, like, you know, Avenger, I cheered up because mm-hmm. I was like, that... I would like more, but, like, that, that alone was such a powerful moment mm-hmm. for me of, like, yeah, this is what she should have gotten in Endgame. Yep. And it's and, like, who who put that there? We have no no information about how and why that right. stone got there. And that bothers me a little bit. Yeah. Sorry like, I would love to see, like, 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 some flowers that were left there by, you know, Steve or someone like, or it could have been Steve. It could have been. Someone, like. It could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Timelines, whatever. They had a little bit of time. Uh, yeah. But, like, some acknowledge. Yeah, that's right. Because the funeral and stuff like that. But some acknowledgement from someone there. But I still, I still thought it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. But then I felt like. A while ago, when Paul and I talked about Ultron, uh, many years ago at this point now, you know, I, I said, I think many others have said that, like, one of my complaints was there were scenes that felt like they didn't make any sense except that they set up things coming later. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, that's how I felt about Yelena and Val. Because on the one hand, oh, yeah. Val and Yelena, it kind of highlighted again that I felt like I had no understanding of where Yelena wound up morally at the end of this movie. Like, right. is she still basically a widow, just not under Drakoff's control? Is she more on a hero turn? I don't know. And I felt like I needed to know that in, in order to understand why she was with Val. But I was like, okay, well, that could be an interesting connection. I'd love to see where that goes. Until they said, like, we want you to kill Hawkeye. Yeah, maybe I didn't some, like it. Maybe there's some comics. That felt to me like all that had happened was some writer was like, okay, well... Uh, we want her in the Hawkeye show. Why would she be in the Hawkeye show? Maybe she's trying to kill Hawkeye. Why would she be trying to kill Hawkeye? Well, let's have it be as part of the Black Widow movie. You know, it just, it mm-hmm. made no sense whatsoever to anything. And just that, if Yelena's character is supposed to be like the new Black Widow, it felt like they were just like, okay, we fixed all the ways we did Natasha dirty. Now let's do Yelena dirty. Um, I, I just hated that. It was like I did, two minutes, I... but... As a spot, like, sure, say she takes that mark and she's like, all right, I'm going to do this. The tiniest amount of digging will show, like, 
the relationship that he had with Nat. Like, right. it wasn't some secret that they were friends. And I told, I just, I could see them, I was saying this in the uh, MCU cast, I could see them having her actually kill him mm. in in the Hawkeye show. And that's how um, the new Hawkeye is going to rise up because then it's going to be like, he's going to be like, forgive her, you know, she, to, to Kate Bishop, like, you have to forgive her. She thought I killed blah, blah, blah. And then it'll be like them trying to work that out. That's just my theory with that. I'd actually really like that, to be honest, yeah. get rid of him. But, um... I, other than that, like, I don't see what the point is unless they're all supposed to work together pretty quickly Yeah. in Hawkeye. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think if by some writer had that idea, you mean Kevin Feige, then yeah. Yeah, like that, probably true. That's the sort of thing that comes down <laughs> from on high, right? It's not like mm-hmm. someone's like, yeah. oh, what if we just put this in randomly? Like, I think a lot of the post credit scenes are not like the screenwriters of the movie coming up with the idea, right? Right. Um, That's true. Mm-hmm. true yeah. I've seen it described as one of the best end credit scene, and for me, it felt like one of the worst. Um, I Yeah, I don't agree that it's I the best. I do really appreciate the, like, oh, she has a gravestone, even though, like, I think the idea of gravestones are generally silly, and, like, there's obviously not a body there, right? But, right. like, the idea that her, you know, that she is mourned and on screen, you know, for more than just, like, mm-hmm. you know the six avenger dudes like sit around like oh man that's that's a bummer and like oh, yeah died, hard though. like oh. one tear yeah. one I mean, tear from steve in that i was super annoyed you know <laughs> i i mean i there, there's parts in endgame with that that i i do kind of like like i like how thor's like but just just do it like what do you mean that's not how it works but like oh yeah he reacts yeah well. <laughs> but like it, it definitely the fact that then tony gets this big send off but like she doesn't and you know I think this is nice that there was that part of that scene there, right? And that, and that it says Avenger yeah. too, you know, it's like... Well, mm-hmm. and you know what's weird now that you bring up that scene? So it, this movie happens. She goes and meets up with Steve. She didn't tell Steve anything about where she was or who she was with or that she was so happy that she realized she has two families right. in the two years that they were going by for at the end for him to be like, does she have any family? And all Steve says is, is us. Yeah. Right. Really? She didn't talk about it? Yeah, that does feel a little like, uh, like that might be useful information when you're like on the run that there's like a bunch of Black Widows out there and like you're related to some of them sort of like, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. What about if like some of the Black Widows had helped her and Steve break everybody out of the the prison, the the raft? Yeah. Yeah. So many different. And I mean, she did get a, you know, he's like, where'd you get that Quinjet? Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, I I found it. Yeah. And then in the five years between, you know, and uh, event Infinity War and Endgame, like, did you not try to see if your sister got dusted? Did you even try to find your family to be like, oh, my God, half the people are gone. Are you still right. there? Did yeah. all of them get dusted? I have to think they we did don't know. get dusted. Otherwise, like, mm-hmm. that's just like the convenient way for them it to be like, no this sense. is why uh, they weren't part of the plot, basically. Right. right. You know. And yeah. so then in, in that time, how did Yelena start working for Val? It, it's just like the timelines yeah. here are weird. Yeah. I have to say, Yelena wa- working for Val, I was like, wait, so she's going to be working with John Walker? Oh, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> Dark yeah. Avengers, man. They're putting together the Dark like, Avengers. I, 100%. I, I, I want I her to like kill it. John Walker then. That's like, the only way <laughs> That'd be fantastic. But I would love it if they like put John Walker on all of the publicity and like make a big deal about him. <laughs> just like and then like in the first scene. five minutes into the movie, he says something like racist or sexist and, and just Yelena just kills him. And Val's like, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't going to work out. And just like move yeah. on, you know. <laughs> all right. I think now that we are deep into uh, the tangential like rewriting of movies, we can probably wrap this thing up. 
Uh, any other last comments from either you two on Black Widow and kind of the ethical questions it raises? Everything aside that I just said, I did really enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really did like it. Um, yeah, I guess I would say that I didn't enjoy it that much, but I very much appreciate that it exists and that there are people who enjoy it a lot. And like, there were things that bothered me about it, but there were other things like it being more Bond than Born that are, that's just preference. That's just like, I don't yeah. like Bond anymore. Like, it took me a while to realize that. I want things to be more clever and cunning and um and i wish they'd i i do feel like they didn't do her character as much justice as they could have but they they did it did her character more justice than if she'd never gotten a solo film so i'm glad she did finally get it right i wish it had happened five years ago and i wish the movie was a little different but like um i'm very glad that it exists at least and um hopefully you know we'll have more equitable distribution of solo titles going forward yeah, yeah, and I'd say I, I agree with all of that, and I really like the points both of you have made. And just kind of my wrap up thoughts are, you know, I, I said a while ago that I wasn't sure if I was going to go see this movie because I do have a lot of issues with Scarlett Johansson and like her opinions on, on on racial stuff and actors and things like that. And you know, there's so much written about that issue. I don't want to go back into it here, but to me, a big part of why I decided to go ahead and watch the movie was because I do feel like I movies like this need to succeed. Need to succeed, you know, because mm-hmm. there is still that idiotic idea in Hollywood that you can't have female-led movies. Uh, and and I, I'm really glad for that. And I'm glad that, you know, I don't think there never has to be a romance. And I'm glad, that, you know, Wonder Woman and Steve, like, made a lot of sense for that movie. Although uh, Wonder Woman 84, not so much. But that's <laughs> a different sense, <laughs> right? Not but so like, much. I'm glad here that, like, I mean, you know, as you said, like, there was never the scene where Natasha gets woken up in bed and so we just happen to see her in her underwear and a tank top. Like, there was mm-hmm. none of that. Yeah. You know, there was, like... Compared to all the, like, the beefcake scenes in almost every... Like, this was perhaps one of the most like um, chaste MCU movies we've had yeah. in a yeah. long time, which was fitting. Yeah. It was perfectly acceptable, uh, which was fitting and made a lot of sense for the story they were telling. So I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I gave money to it because I want it to make a lot of money. And I think I'm kind of halfway between the two of you. Like I don't think I enjoy... I think next time I just want to watch a fun thing for a couple of hours without thinking about it too much. This will be a perfectly good movie for that. I think it yeah. wasn't the movie that I wanted it to be and that I think it could have been. And part of that, I think, also is just that I kind of feel like the MCU is a little bit like they've raised the bar on themselves really high. Like, with movies like Black Panther and Civil War and Winter Soldier and, and I know not everyone agrees, but like Infinity War and Endgame, like, they, they've shown you can do so much more in the superhero genre that a movie that is just superheroes doing cool things and blowing things up and quipping at each other... And every now and then confronting something a little bit of a deep issue, but not really going too far into it. Like, I just, I think you can do so much more. Uh, and it's funny, I was on another podcast about this that I, I think will have gone live by this time. I'm not sure, but it's on the um, the next reel, uh, I believe, is, the, is the, the podcast it's on. So you can check that out. Uh, we also had a great discussion about this movie there. And a point that I made, which I'll, I'll make here again, is honestly, I feel like this could have been a great Disney Plus show. Because imagine oh, if we yeah. had, like... A full oh, episode yeah. in 95 and a full episode or even just like that was mm-hmm. flashback throughout and a full episode in like the Red Room, you know, and like just a f- really go deep on all these characters. Like I'm so spoiled by it. I needed right? this to be a six hour, six hour thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you're going to give us new characters, I'm just not it's, 15 minutes of characterization is just not enough for me anymore. And maybe I'm spoiled. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like we're in a new age. Bring us the TV. Yeah. yeah down with theaters. Mm-hmm. I agree. Wait, what? 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite there Boo yet. with theaters. I'm Up with streaming. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm close. But then also I live in the Midwest, so I'm not like super close to people to begin with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so great discussion. Um, I know both of you are doing a lot of great content in other places. Uh, Ashley, you're kind of like the, the queen of the MCU right now in the uh, Strand of Pandoverse. What, what, what's going on with what you? what it feels and, like. Uh, I, I know you're, you're doing that in a couple of other pursuits these days. Where can people find um, you? I guess uh, Wednesdays we do trivia on Twitch at 7 Central. Uh, yeah, 7 Central. Um, we're doing Loki. The finale is this week, so it's going to be a big episode. Um, you can join us live on Twitch for that at 6 Central. Um, and then this Thursday, I have the Legends and Libations with Jeff Randall from the MCU cast, where we kind of just uh, get drunk and talk about this week, uh, Norse mythology again. We're kind of nice. doing a little series. Um and that's pretty much it, you know, just and, sitting over there. <laughs> yeah, and that's on Stranded Panda TV is the Twitch channel. Definitely check that out. And also check out, if you're not already subscribing, the MCU podcast. Um, I think it's just called MCU Cast. MCU Cast, yeah. But you can find it on StrandedPanda.com where Ashley, uh, Jeff, and Matt go really deep on this stuff. And every episode of Loki is covered, Black Widow, anything Marvel you're looking for, you're going to find there. Uh, and Ashley's a very, very big contributor, which I think has just made it so much better. <laughs> Paul, what about yourself? Um, I just want to give a shout out to Legends and Libations because I caught, actually, I just caught the tail end the first <laughs> week, but then I rewatched the the VOD and it was it was very entertaining. So I'm looking forward yeah, to this. I Thursday. feel like I have big shoes to fill this Thursday. I'm, it's my turn to tell a story. Yeah, I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. I think you're gonna be all. Yeah, I I have not yet gotten to check it out, but I keep hearing awesome things, and we're looking forward to doing so. Yeah, do do. Um, I and I, I'm on Twitch uh, most days, almost every day. Streaming poker, um, sometimes some other stuff. On uh, I'm Zed Madman on on Twitch and on Twitter. You know that's that's about it right now. You have your the Star Wars cast. Oh too. yeah, I also appear on those. you know this and the Star Wars Universe podcast, which uh, we're doing Bad Batch, and I think most weeks I'm on maybe like half the time something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm really enjoying that series a lot. I don't know it it, it just it's doing very little that annoys me. And yeah, and <laughs> that is so rare. I know. There's just so many things that like annoy me. I don't know. Uh, I should stop, <laughs> stop watching fiction and just write my own. But like it, it it's Ooh. it's nice watching something that's just like, you know, I might have enjoyed as many things in Black Widow as I do in Bad Batch. But Bad Batch just doesn't have things that make me go like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, so it's a little funny because We've talked about before about how, like, you hated Last Jedi mm-hmm. and then had this kind of schadenfreude moment mm-hmm. when I then hated Rise of Skywalker. And <laughs> there was a moment of time when um, you were really down on the MCU and I wasn't. Yeah. And now, frankly, like, I didn't hate Black Widow, but I disliked a lot of it. And frankly, I absolutely despise Loki right now. I mm. hate everything about that show. <gasps> So I'm kind of going closer to being the MCU misanthrope, like kind of following along that like Paul hates something. That means a a month or a year later, I'm going to wind up hating it too, but that's an entirely other story. But anyway. Paul, do you hate Loki? uh, You know what? Yeah, I'll address that. I've hated parts of Loki for sure. Um, I'm kind of in Rise of Skywalker territory with Loki now where I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like you've done enough stuff that like in terms of like canon, I don't care at all. Like, but there are moments yeah. that I really enjoy and I kind of just watch it and I enjoy the moments I enjoy and I just don't really care about what happens. 
Yeah, and, and that might be fair. It's like you already had your like I'm down with Marvel moment. Yeah. So like you got you got to go. I'm down with Star Wars. So Rise of Skywalker's fine. I'm down with Marvel. So now Loki's fine. And I'm in that like no, this is the thing that makes me hate it. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were I, things. I mean, I say, I, there were I, things in some episodes, yeah. but just now I'm like whatever. I, yeah, I, I I am may likely skip the sixth episode. I just I don't know yet. But we'll figure it out. But anyway, for uh, I I will not be talking about Loki though in any of my podcasts. Uh, I think we've talked about it a little bit. We'll do. Actually, that's a lie. Paul and I are probably going to do a, a wrap-up episode of the whole show, so I guess I have to watch the sixth episode at some point. But putting all that aside... I feel like I need to be there to defend it. I Jesus. feel like... I was like, I, I'm going to watch the sixth episode, like, when the minute it comes out, I'm sure. But, like, I'll probably... Yeah. Like, eh, I don't know. Um, I was thinking maybe not of being on that episode. I was thinking of not being on the Black Widow episode, because honestly, like, I don't love being negative about things, you know? Like, I I think what I think, I feel what I feel, and, like, if someone asks me, I'm going to say it, but, like, you know, I feel like I did have enough positive things to say about this movie as well, and some of the things that I complain about are, like, reasons I wanted it to be better, because I think it is a very important movie. I hear that. Let me wrap up the episode, and then we can keep uh, ranting about Loki for the Patreon or something. You talked about how you can find all of them on different places. You can find me as The Ethical Panda uh, on Facebook or on Twitter or TheEthicalPanda.com or TheEthicalPanda at gmail.com for email. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear feedback. Uh, we've done some feedback episodes. We're going to do those again. Or just kind of take comments and questions about things. What did you think of uh, Black Widow? Did you love some of the things we talked about not liking? Or do you have different views on these questions? Definitely get into us. Please find us in all those places. So... Paul, we'll just keep enjoying this thing of where, like, you start hating something, and then a month later or a year later, I start hating the thing. And I'm like, Paul, you're with me, right? And you're like, yeah, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. Billionaire's going into space. (laughs) Eh, I can't really get worked up. Like, not saying it's good, but... All right. So on that awesome. happy note, I am going to call an end to this. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for sticking around for this nonsense for the last 15 minutes. And uh, have a good day. I'm calling an end to this. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>